This episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast is sponsored by Henry's, Canada's greatest camera store and also the largest independent photographic and digital retailer in Canada. Henry's has the best and newest products, award-winning customer service, competitive pricing, and some of the most informed imaging experts in the photography industry. The majority of Henry's employees have been with the company for over a decade, meaning their knowledge and expertise is easily passed on to customers like you, helping improve your overall shopping experience. You can purchase all kinds of gear from cameras and lenses to bags and tripods, gimbals, lighting equipment, and even printers. Whether purchasing online or in-store, Henry's has got you covered. Visit www.henrys.com to place an order or visit your nearest Henry's store to receive the products and services that will satisfy all your needs as a unique creator. doing over at Clapper Hall? Was it like a specific cabin shoot or do you Probably guys have similar stuff to what you do? do? Probably similar yeah. to what you do, I think. It was I, I had made contact with them um, a bit earlier and then we used them, not used them, I rented the place, but mm-hmm. used them as a backdrop for some solo stove work. Oh. Um, so that happened and then we had a relationship from there and, you know, I love the place obviously and was like, right. I, would, I would love to come down and, and do some work. Um, and talking to the owners and we, we just came up with a time during the summer to give it a go. Um, and it, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I've done, a, I've done a few and, um, it is fun work. I like, mm-hmm. and every time I'm at a cabin, I, I, this sounds weird. Every time I'm at a cabin, I'm thinking about you, Ethan. Um, <laughs> no, but I am, uh, <laughs> we mentioned it on one of the other episodes, right? When we were recording yeah, yeah. at Clapper, we actually did a podcast at Clapper Hall with Ethan. Oh, I think I saw that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But I was at um I was at Juniper Hills and I was on my own uh for most of the time like doing the shooting. A lot of the times I like to bring people as extras as you know, company. Um it, being alone even prompted me like I need to buy a laptop because like I could be doing all this work while I'm just sitting here like waiting for, you know, good light. Um yeah. so but I I thought of you being on my own like Oh, like this is this is tricky. You have to put on like a ton of different hats, and like I have to. I'm gonna be the cool guitarist right now. Now I'm gonna be cooking. Now I'm gonna be out by a campfire. Like you have to be all these different actors uh, yeah. to create a scene. So my my buddy was there for a bit, and I had this concept of like I'm gonna try to run around the cabin like a psycho, being all these different people. Um, and it, it just made me think of you, like you know, sometimes you have to you know, set up breakfast for a whole crew of people, but I don't know if they're actually really there. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that that FPV drone? Yeah. Clip? Yeah. It was awesome. That was super. <laughs> cool. How often are you bringing people, Ethan, versus doing it yourself? Just solo. These uh, I mean, Airbnb cabin ex- uh, excursions. Yeah. I mean, when I started out, it was almost primarily solo for a while. Um, I would say like in the past um year or so like this year i've really tried to bring people as often as i can just because it it just it makes it a whole like it makes it a whole different experience i mean yeah. for me the visiting the cabin solo i'm more than okay with like i don't need the company um to hang out with like it's it's nice don't get me wrong but i definitely it is like shooting wise it makes a world of a difference having people there that I can be like, okay, can you just like go 
sit in this chair and like drink this cup of coffee and I can just go about my shooting and move around as opposed to mm-hmm. me being the model and the photographer. I have to, mm-hmm. you know, you're limited in your angles that you can get. And yeah. um, so it's just, it's way more difficult trying to set up a tripod, run to my seat, get the pose right and, you know, make it creative and get a bunch of different angles um, as opposed to having people. So I'd say this year more than the previous ones, I've definitely tried to bring people because at this point I very much prefer shooting with people as opposed to just by myself. So I love that. Well, uh, I guess this is a good time to reintroduce you, Ethan. You've been on the show before. Um, how long ago do you think that was? About a year ago, just you and I before Aaron was on as the co-host? Yeah, yeah I think I looked back through our messages and I'm pretty sure it was like late January of 2021. Um, yeah. I think that sounds... Yeah. So for people who maybe this is the first time hearing you, can you just give a recap of like who you are and what you do? And, uh, and then maybe follow up with... Um, you know, what's gone on in the last year since we talked, where you were then and where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. So um, what's up, everyone? My name is Ethan. I am a photographer that travels around and, you know, stays in cabins, tree houses, tiny houses, any sort of Airbnb um, and, you know, captures them and posts them on my Instagram and my TikTok. And yeah, you know, last year at this time, what was that? Early 2021. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, about six months into doing this full time. Um, I jumped in to full time freelance photography work in uh, the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still like pretty early in the, you know, freelance photography of like trying to figure out if I was actually going to be able to, you know, make this happen and, you know, be sufficient with it and make enough money to justify doing it. Um and yeah, so I was still kind of trying to find my way. And, you know, last year I ended up road tripping the West Coast for about three months in my car and kind of put the cabins on hold. Um, I stayed in a couple just to, you know, fund the trip a little bit. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it was mostly just like national parks. And then I got back to New England in the fall. And since then, it's pretty much just been a crazy whirlwind of lots of cabins um, and you're from vermont right i'm from new hampshire new hampshire um, i always get yeah. the the new england states they're all they're all one big jumble to me so i'll have to apologize be <laughs> one big state at this point i agree <laughs> yeah uh, maybe our own country yeah there you go. Okay. yeah uh, uh, tiny homes and e- forests and <laughs> cool people like you too Right. Quick, uh, quick follow-up question. So, summer of 2020. That's right after you know COVID happens and travels pretty much shut down. Was was that sort of, you know, not sort of, but that bad event for everyone? Uh, something that propelled you into you know this avenue. Um, I imagine cabins were a little bit more open to having a single person there photographing versus the vacancies of people not traveling, people not doing it. I. I you know, that's just an, uh, an assumption, I guess, but did that, uh, pandemic kind of help you to make a decision there? Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, so early 2020, um, I spent about two and a half months down in Costa Rica, really not knowing what the hell I was going to be doing. I was just kind of down there, um, living, I was volunteering at an animal shelter for a little bit. And, you know, I ended up having to, um, change a, 
changed my flight back home because they were shutting down borders. And I fortunately got back to the States like a day or two before they shut down the border, um, which was kind of crazy. And then, you know, I got back and the world was pretty much shut down for a little bit. Um, my dad, he does like land care and permaculture stuff. So I was working with him for a little bit in the spring because, you know, it's outside. You didn't really have to interact with people. So he was still able to work and I was able to, you know, stay active and at least do something. I was fortunate to not be cooped up in a house um, or an apartment like a lot of people were. Um, and then I picked up real estate photography again, because again, that was just a thing that I was able to do by myself. You know, the homeowners would either meet me and unlock the door for me and I could just, you know, spend an hour or two going about my business. And then, you know, I, I, I had been shooting cabins before then, obviously, um, not for like crazy amounts of money, but still I was able at that point to be charging and then yeah once the summertime came um i think i think it might have been like a little bit later once travel was opening up a little bit more and these cabins were seeing a decent amount of increase in bookings because everyone was trying to get out of the city and get out of the house and go away into the woods so i think a lot of these airbnbs had um had some more money that they were willing to spend on marketing that they may not have seen as a, you know, viable thing to uh, spend their money on before. And I feel like I kind of caught that like right at the perfect time. And, you know, I, my summer got booked up pretty quickly. Um, And granted I wasn't charging like a ton of money back then because I was still new ish into the professional aspect of it um but since that summer it's just been like a steady like increase of my prices and obviously like the quality of my work um which is one of the coolest things for me i feel like i consistently see on like almost like a month-to-month basis like a improvement in some aspect of my work which is amazing it's an amazing feeling for myself and then even to for the host i feel like i'm constantly striving to be able to mm-hmm. them better quality photos and yeah so awesome awesome so i think we got a good background or recap on you i have a question before we get into listener questions this is a special episode because people obviously have submitted uh questions on your instagram that they'd love to hear you talk about on the show we're going to get to those shout out some people and some of the good questions that came through lots and lots on your end which is awesome but you just said that you're noticing improvements month to month. I'm curious to know, uh, before we get into some of the listener questions, what that metric is you're using to measure your improvement. Is it followers? Is it your own perception of the quality of your work? What's your your benchmark that you're using to gauge your own improvement? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, more so just like kind of my feelings on it, you know, which is mm-hmm. incredibly subjective. So you might like ask someone else and show them a timeline of my photos and they could be like, Man, it's not getting better. Um, be, but I mean, you know, at that point, photography is kind of subjective. Um, I definitely don't, at least I try not to use followers as a metric for that, especially with, and I know you guys are feeling it. And I know almost every single creator on Instagram mm-hmm. is feeling it. It's just like, followers right now and like likes and views is just not it never was a metric of or shouldn't have been a metric of you know quality but 
now more than ever. I mean, photos are just getting thrown out, you know, I, right. And it's, and it's unfortunate because as a photographer, a video clip of all my photos is not how I want to display my work. I want my work to be displayed in a static post, how I want it to be. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, this podcast is not about my frustrations with Instagram because I know everyone feels like it. And I feel like it's just beating a dead horse at this point. Um, Thank you for saying that. We just did an episode on stop complaining about Instagram. Yeah, 100%. I was just talking to someone about this too. And it was like, for a while, I was that person that was like, I'm never doing reels. Like, I'm a photographer. I'm going to stick with photos. But I have, you know, whether it's succumbing to it and giving up or just like going with it and accepting it for what it is and just like figuring out a way to post reels and having fun with it again. I think that's the bottom line of it is that it's... Yeah. Are you doing reels because you have to, or is it your new favorite medium no, or, it, or photographs definitely. your still favorite medium? Yeah. I mean, photography is definitely like, I love video. Don't get me wrong. I feel like there's a lot you can do with video, but not, I don't love short format video. Um, so I would say my usage of reels at this point is more of just like a necessity. It's like, it is, mm-hmm. if I want my work to be seen, this is the way that is, obviously going to make that happen. So I'm trying to kind of find a balance between like just doing like video clips for reels and then like doing video clips plus my photos. And I feel like in the past like couple of weeks, I've been kind of catching a stride with it and having a little bit more fun with it. Yeah. So I, I look at it like, uh, this is the game. This is, this is basketball, let's say, and this is Instagram. Like there's the game. That's fun. That's what we love, but there's, there's practice, there's running, there's the, uh, the line runs, the, the, the cardio, like there's the hard parts to everything. You know, I don't know anyone that has a career that it's all, I straight love every part of what I'm doing because there's always aspects that like balance it out. So to me, you said succumb or accept like this is this is their game this is the game that they are choosing to play and uh i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and do it i said to seth the other day i was like it pains me videoing with my camera in portrait mode like i like the cinematic look i yes. like trying to be creative with it and um that's not in portrait like we've been yeah. to movies for our entire lives and it's widescreen it's even like a two by one widescreen, like, you know, like it's just, it, it's kind of hurtful, especially when you get like really nice footage, you're like, Oh my God. Like I got all this great footage for like a, a portrait for someone to look on their phone. You know, yeah. like I want to, I want to watch this on my TV. I want to see, I want to see it in its fullest form. Mm-hmm. Um, which brought me to a thought, like, do you, f- in, in culturally, culturally, uh, do you feel that like the death of the still photography is kind of the death of stillness. Like we have a hard time sitting still with ourselves. Um, and I don't think you do. You've, you've made a career out of, you know, being in a cabin on your own. And I, I could, I could, I could feel your energy through your, your posts and stuff. I feel like I could be wrong. You might be flying and buzzing all over the place, but I feel like you're probably methodical and uh, accepting of time and solitude, not loneliness, but solitude and like taking it in and being very still uh, and and setting up a tripod, setting up a scene. Uh, do you feel like that's that's kind of going out the window with, you know, where we are as a culture, video, fast, fast, fast. You have eight seconds. Otherwise, someone's going to flip through it. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. And yeah, I feel like I was definitely reading something kind of similar, um, you know, similar sen- sentiment with that. And yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I feel like this society is such a fast pace, like constantly moving, like onto the next thing. Like, all right, I'm here. What's next? Like, I feel very much feel like that is where we've kind of been heading for a little bit. And I feel like that's obviously where we're continuing, continuing to, which is unfortunate. And I feel like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I definitely, there are, there's a lot of times at the cabin where I enjoy the slow process, but then there's also some times where like the light is just like so good. And there's so many things that I want to capture that mm-hmm. I do kind of run around <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and try yeah. capture it all. Um, so for me at cabins, it's just about that balance and same thing with like Instagram. Like I've, I've kind of, I started a, um, like another account for, I, I recently started shooting film this year. Um, and I feel like that for me, as much as it's been, um, pretty expensive and at this point, very difficult to try and find color film right now. I, it's almost, it hasn't completely changed my outlook on photography, but it is, it has definitely opened me up to a different form of photography that I just wasn't like, I obviously knew about film before and I I just didn't understand it. And I didn't have the appreciation that everyone else does for it. I just never understood it until I started shooting it. And it's definitely changed how I've shot as a digital photographer as well for the better. Um, Just being like more, more diligent, more methodical and, um, Oh, there's another word that I wanted to think of. Um, anyways, just much more um, mm-hmm. planned out with my shooting. Um, and I feel like there's just a, a magic about it too, where you have no idea what your shot's going to look like. I mean, like you have a general idea, but you don't know if it was actually in focus or if you had the lighting right. Um, so yeah, um, back to the original point though. I feel like it's hard in a society to slow down. Um, I think it takes a lot of awareness and self-control to kind of not get caught up in the fast-paced rush of this life right now. Very well said, man. Very well said. I think uh, hearing that, it, it probably gives you the sense to shoot more deliberately. You know, we talk about this all the time. It's so easy to take a, you know, your camera and just fire off thousands of shots and whereas I imagine you know we talk about treating your camera like film Mm -hmm. and being deliberate with what you're going to shoot slow down think about the scene how it's going to look in the end so that that speaks volumes to to that what you just said let's get into some listener questions there's lots and lots of good ones I'm going to try and um Aaron, you have the screenshots as well, I think. Uh, Maybe we can go back and forth, but I think it'd be good to work sort of in chronological order uh, based on what we know about your journey. And what I mean by that is there's lots of questions that pertain to how you got started um, all the way up to, you know, I I won't spoil them, but to probably questions that are more applicable to where you're at now. But we'll start with Paige Diaz. I hope I said that right. Thank you for submitting your question, Paige. I'm actually going to combine two of her questions. So I think a year ago, Ethan, um, you were sort of, sort of, you were starting to get paid. I believe you were you're about fifty fifty. The gigs you were doing were paid stays, and the other ones were 
almost free stays. Is that correct? Yeah. At this point, um, well, last year, 2021, 2021 was almost all paid gigs aside okay. from, yeah, 2020 when I first jumped in full time was very much still a splitting of um, wanting to stay okay. in some really good places. And then, yeah. Okay. So her first question was starting out, did you work in exchange for free accommodations? Um, mm-hmm. And I guess we can combine that with her second question, which is a really good question. What's your outreach process like? Now I'm going to add to that. What was your outreach process like then versus now? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Paige is awesome. I'm, she's a photographer. I'm actually fairly certain she's from Canada too. Uh, oh, wow. So, Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. And a really awesome photographer as well. So cool. Cool. Thanks. Check her out. Paige, yeah. Um, yeah. So when I first started, you know, um, when I first discovered that there were like actual tree houses and tiny houses and just cool dwellings on Airbnb, I was like, I have to stay in some of these. And so, you know, I was still, I was doing real estate photography at the time. Um, so I was able to kind of have some flexibility with my schedule. And then I ended up actually paying to stay in a handful um, of cabins to start out and, you know, captured them with my, you know, wide angle lens that I had for real estate and just like the little bit of knowledge that I had of capturing um, buildings and architectural style shooting. And, you know, this was back in late 2018 when Instagram was way different than it is now. And Mm -hmm. I had, you know, 2,000, 3,000 followers maybe. And my posts got like 5,000 likes. And so it was like, okay, the good old days. Like I got my most liked picture within my first couple months of shooting cabins. And it was like 17,000 likes or something ridiculous. Wow. Um, yeah, have not gotten that since, but, um, <laughs> so, so once I like kind of had those under my belt and I actually had posts on my Instagram that showed that I, you know, shot this style of stuff, I was able to, you know, fortunately a lot of cabins have Instagram accounts because it's just such a good way to market themselves. So I was able to, you know, start reaching out and being like, Hey, like I'm a real estate photographer. I would love to come capture your uh, Airbnb in exchange for, you know, a couple nights stay. And a lot of them were, you know, more than willing because, you know, at that point my photos were still solid because I had that background in real estate photography. So I had like a general idea of what I was doing. Um, and yeah. And then from then it was just a constant kind of, you know, honing in on that craft of, you know, shooting these accommodations, making them look super inviting growing that growing my audience that you know like this like that cabin chronicles cabin porn style niche um and then yeah then i uh i got a um, like a road trip kind of partnership with clamping hub which is um a version of airbnb um just a little bit smaller and you know with them it wasn't a paid thing they didn't uh comp me any gas or food stipends. They didn't pay me for anything, but they put me up in, I think it was about 10 or 12 accommodations out on the West coast. And I, we did like this whole little road trip campaign with them. Mm-hmm. And that was like my first kind of gig, um, where I was like, okay, maybe this is like really something like maybe I can actually turn this into something. And then, yeah, then that summer came and 
you know, Clamping Hub and myself did another campaign up in Canada where they actually did comp my food and gas and the stays. So it was just like kind of like baby steps of building my way up. And then, yeah, then it was that that fall, the fall of 2019 was kind of just, you know, doing odd end jobs with, with photography and kind of trying to keep my head above water while still staying in cabins as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then that winter was Costa Rica. And then that brought us to 2020 where I was able to start, you know, pitching packages. You know, I kind of changed my approach where I would still you know, reach out on Instagram and kind of like introduce myself and then kind of segue that into being like, here are the packages that I offer um, with mm-hmm. the amount of photos that you'd get, the posts on my Instagram, because, you know, at this time, 2020, I would probably say I had around 15-ish thousand followers. So I was mm-hmm. able to kind of have that uh, validity of having an audience that, right. you know, Social liked proof. what I was doing. Right, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, and it was just a constant, like I said, it was, it's just been like baby steps of improving, um, you know, the quality of my work, which, you know, then in, in the quality of my equipment as well, you know, just investing into myself, into what I'm building. And in turn, you know, I can start charging more and more and valuing myself as I, Mm -hmm. I love that the best investments are the ones in yourself, health, gear, things that are going to put it all back into you. Gives you the best returns. I love that. And I think it's important to notice that it didn't happen overnight. You know, you weren't just getting paid to stay in cabins. There was a lot of, and we've talked about this before, a lot of uh, like sweat equity and trying things out and proving your craft and building a portfolio. And you did a lot of stuff probably with net loss, I would imagine, for a good amount of time. Um, Mm -hmm. But you kept your focus and now we're three years later two years later and look where we are now you know i mean we by you uh but you know that that's i think that's important to notice we always talk about like the it's not a instagram looks like a lotto ticket like it looks like oh look at this guy he just goes to cabins for free and gets paid and this is his life how lucky is he yeah 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 lucky maybe but worked hard also yeah I, I definitely try and yeah, I mean, I get tons of, even from like people I'm close with, you know, like family members, friends, like my sister just graduated high school, um, you know, this year. And so I went to her graduation. So, you know, decent amount of people from way back in my like middle school days. Um, and even just like family members are all like, wow, like you live the life, like you just go on vacation all the time and get paid. And you know, and it, it's, I've definitely come to terms with the fact that Instagram is a highlight reel. And for anyone who doesn't know me or who hasn't like actually been to a cabin with me, doesn't know like what actually goes into it. It hundred percent looks like that. Like, and that's what Instagram is, but I very much try and, you know, like I, I made a reel the other day of like, um, it was something along the lines of what people think I do when I'm working at a cabin. And it was just me like, sitting in the hot tub, lounging in bed, you know, eating pancakes. And then it was like, versus what I actually do. Like, yeah, I different. saw that one. That's good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, that was just kind of like a, almost like joke type reel. And obviously mm-hmm. I didn't go super into depth, but you know, I've recently in the past couple um, months started tracking my hours and, 
yeah, it's kind of crazy the amount of hours that actually go into just like one cabin shoot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, if you ever want to shoot podcasters as a prop or you want to hang out and do something together, let us know. I'm sure we'd be down, right, Aaron? Yeah, for sure. Can I ask a follow-up question, Seth? Do you mind? Yeah, go ahead, man. Thanks. Um, so with that, Ian, like you just said, you know, the amount of hours that you're put in, do you are you constantly reevaluating your worth in a sense? You know, at, at one point you're like, I'll just stay there if I could and take, you know, do as many photos as possible, probably, and you know, prove your worth. Mm-hmm. But at this point, are you like, hey, you know, to do 20 photos really well? The setup, the thought, the thought before I even get to the cabin, the the note page I have on shots that I want to try to capture, the studying of their Instagram, what are they like? All mm. those things and those hours. Do you look at your hours worked for a job and try to think of like an hourly wage, or are you kind of saying like, you know, here's my package. This is what I know I can do in so much time. And um, how how close are you to? You say 10 photos, are you delivering 10? Are you still working your butt off and delivering 30, you know? Yeah, um, great question. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely like an ever-evolving type of process, especially like someone like myself that, you know, I did go to business school for like two years, but it never, re- like when in those two years were all like prerequisites, like history 101 and stuff like that. So I very much didn't get like a super intense business uh, education. So I'm, you know, more or less just kind of learning as I go, which, you know, as I'm sure you two and a lot of other people who are self-employed know, like it's tough being the business owner, the tax person, the marketing strategy person. Like it's so, it's difficult Mm -hmm trying to juggle all those balls. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I said, like I definitely am not charging what I was when I first started. I'm not charging what I was a year ago at this time. Um, It's closer to what I was a year ago, but um, you know, it's, I'm definitely, I think the last time I updated my prices was probably, um, what month are we in? We're in July. I think it was probably around January. I kind of, like you said, I kind of took a look at everything, um, readjust my uh, package strategy, um, kind of added in some things and, you know, took into account the fact that a lot more people are wanting reels now and mm-hmm. factoring that in. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, not only are these people investing, like, you know, not just like a hundred dollars, you know, like it's a, it's an investment for sure. And I understand that and I appreciate that. Um, and I also understand that they have to comp my stay and the turnover as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what they're paying me. It's also the two nights that they possibly could have been booked and then the cleaning fee. Um, mm-hmm. And so there is like more that goes into it just than just the final amount. And so I always try and take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of your question was being like, sticking to the package of the photos that I'm giving them. And for the most part at this point, you know, my packages typically I have like, I technically have six different packages, um, but one's like a, or three of them are social media more so oriented. And then the other ones are um, just like an all around photo shoot because, you know, there's some places that have never had like a photo shoot at all. So their listing photos are, 
you know, brutal and they don't adequately Mm -hmm. showcase the space. Um, And so for those ones, you know, I do like a more or less like a real estate shoot where I, you know, showcase the home. So for their Airbnb and then, you know, the other half of that is like social media photos and like lifestyle photos. Um, And so, you know, these are like 50 to 75 photo packages. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I very much try and kind of stick to those numbers, you know, always Mm -hmm. erring on the side of giving them a handful of extras of just like one photo that looks pretty similar to this, to the next one, just like the angle is just slightly different so that they can choose which one of those they prefer over the other. So, right. Over delivering. Always good to do that. Um, you mentioned as a, you know, working for yourself, that's, you got to be the marketing person. You got to do the accounting. You are also creating and delivering the finished product. It's a lot of work, which segues mm-hmm. into another good question from uh, at Kara Captured. What is the hardest part of your job? Is it that or is it something entirely different? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think the hardest part, the hardest part for me, I think, and I think that this would properly answer this question is finding a balance, like finding a work-life balance. Because as of right now, I don't really have one. I am putting in crazy hours. Like, and that's the thing of being self-employed is that I don't have a weekend, you know, like my Saturday and Sundays don't consist of just lounging or like doing like stuff you know, just normal things like going out to brunch and like my Friday nights don't include going out and hanging out with friends. Like my days, almost all seven of them are, you know, all working, whether it be driving to a shoot or shooting or, you know, editing the massive packages um, that I have. And so I think the hardest part for me is kind of, because like I'm at a point, you know, I'm young, I'm 20, what am I? I'm 23. Um, so far, you didn't know what month it was and you didn't know what age you were. So it sounds like you're having fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I genuinely am having fun. Like it's been, it's okay. been a great summer. Um, and it's just like, there's definitely times where I, and I try, this goes back to that like fast paced life where there's times where um, I flew back to New Hampshire for uh, like two weeks for my sister's graduation. And then I ended up having like two shoots up there, but I had like a weekend free and I went kayaking with my dad and just spent like all day in the water. And it was the first time that I've done something like that. And I don't even know how long and it felt good so good. And yeah. yeah it boring. just like hundred percent, like re like recentered me and mm-hmm. just gave me a chance to like kind of slow down. And since that day, actually I've very much been more uh, conscientious of that. And, you know, walk out of cabin, you know, taking time to just like go outside and like, like there was a crazy storm that kind of rolled through the other day. And I spent like 30 minutes just like watching these crazy cloud formations, just like form and twirl. And yeah, so definitely the hardest part of the job, I would say, is kind of not getting over overwhelmed and um, overworked by it and trying to remember that I am more than my job as much as my job is, you know, at this point, it's my passion, it's my life. And I want to set myself up for a good future and like, you know, hopefully get some, uh, create some ways of making some income that's a little less 
uh, workload heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, I'm definitely at a point now where I'm able to put in crazy hours. And so I feel like it's, it's justifiable to be able to do that for now. So, right. So you're saying the hardest part is dividing that professional time versus your new time. Um, for sure. It sounds it like is. that's something you'll, you, you, I think we'll all constantly be working on. It's so easy to get heavily invested into to your duties and what you got to do. But I, I loved to hear you saying that. This is a good follow-up question from somebody else though. And I don't know if maybe this is more, this airs more on the technical side, this question I'm going to ask, but from at Technicolor underscore masterpiece underscore something, I can't see the rest of it, but thank you for your question. It's what do you feel you need to work on as a photographer? Maybe an area of weakness, uh, I guess that can be technically related or it can Mm -hmm. be interpersonal. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, And I definitely looked at that one prior as to like how I could answer that. Um, And honestly, it might go back to like that work-life balance and getting a little bit better at, you know, you know, I'm a, I try and be organized, but I am, kind of and i'd say i'm fairly organized as someone who as organized as i could be well that's not true but um i'm definitely fairly organized but definitely not as organized as i probably should be um and that's just in terms of like like my photos and everything are all incredibly organized i'm talking more so in terms of like just daily life of like okay i could definitely be a little bit more regimented with you know a schedule so that I'm not, you know, spending, you know, seven straight hours editing this one package, but more so spend like three hours diligently editing this photo package and then spend like another hour doing administrative stuff and then another hour doing social media. So um, I feel like I could work on, and I guess, yeah, that's not so much as a photographer, just as a person in who right, is yeah. a yeah, um, it's all just re- it all of, relates, though, you know, mm-hmm. right? Um, Which is the whole premise of the show. If you if you're not your best self, you can't be the best photographer version of yourself. Just to re- tie it all in here, yeah, and yeah. if you schedule in time, and and you know, scheduling time is going to save you time. It gives you a little bit more time to. We've all been there where you're rushing to get sunset in the mm-hmm. correct light, you know, versus. I'm there an hour ahead of time and I can find my composition and maybe even two hours ahead of time and like really just enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I, I, I'm sure that relates to your photography in terms of, you know, time management definitely yeah. trickles down to that. And the more yeah, disciplined absolutely. you are, the more freedom you have. That's my honest mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been, you know, in the past, um, like earlier this year, for sure late last year, I was definitely neglecting other aspects of my life in favor of work. And I almost feel like it kind of, like you said, kind of trickled into my work. And so this year, this, you know, late spring, summer specifically, I've been way more focused on kind of treating my body, my mind, right. And just kind of focusing on myself so that I can show up in the best possible way for my work and i oh, I need to steal that sound bite from you that's perfect yeah, so important so important to hear that mm-hmm. how first how often do you say you spend alone in solitude in these cabins um 
I would say, oh, let's think about, we'll say. Yeah, like a percentage of the time, roughly. Yeah. Um, I would say this year, I've probably been to a third of the cabins by myself. Um, okay. Yeah. And then the other two thirds, I'd say, have been with people. Okay. Um, that's surprising. Yeah, I would have thought that you were alone more often, just based on sort of, I guess, the minimalism and cleanliness um, of your Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. There are people the odd time, but I think for the most part, your posts are you know, of the building yeah. empty or of you in it doing something fun. Yeah. The more that I'm looking at my feed right now, I'd say it might be closer to like 40, 60% um, okay. of 40 altitude, but around that mark, I would say. Okay, so I'll ask sort of a mindset question because that's still, even even so, that's still a fair amount of time that you're spending on your own. Um, what goes sort of through your mind when you're spending a decent chunk of your time, I guess, driving or in these cabins by yourself? And how do you become comfortable and okay with being by yourself? I mean, there's a lot of people who need someone to you know to surround themselves with to to be okay with how do you mm-hmm. become all right being alone and just being still with yourself um that's a good question i feel like there's i mean there's no right or wrong answer just your opinion yeah. because you're sort of you're in a you're in a niche where you're sort of forced to learn mm-hmm. that skill mm-hmm. um so i guess i'll go back to like a little bit more of a backstory um sure. back in 2018, um, the first Airbnb that I ever rented wasn't like a treehouse or anything. It was this cute little non-assuming like cottage up um, like 30 minutes outside of Acadia National Park. And Mm -hmm. I booked it for my 20th birthday. And it was the first time that I'd ever gone to a cabin by myself. Um, You know, I was 20. And, you know, it was, it was pretty intense. It wasn't like a super luxurious cabin. It was very, very minimalistic and just, you know, not too much to it. And in the middle of the woods in Maine, and I'm not going to lie, it was pretty intimidating. Um, but I ended up having like such a great weekend, like exploring, exploring Acadia. And yeah, I just kind of enjoyed it. And at that time, I, I, I was still doing like a lot of driving um, for work and everything. And so I think my first experience in being alone so much was driving. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love driving by myself. I Yeah, what do you do in the car? Are you a music oh, guy, I, podcast guy? I'm a huge music guy. Um, like I have full on concerts in there at this point. I feel like I should be nominated for a Grammy or two, but <laughs> throw up a um, GoPro on the rear view mirror. Yeah. I play like all the instruments, you know, drums, bass, guitar, and there then like, so, oh, so good. What do you like um, to listen to? I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of live music, almost primarily. Like I'll listen to full shows of, um, fish or Billy Strings or Ooh, Aaron at the mouth here. <laughs> Goose fan at all, Ethan? <laughs> I have not seen Goose yet. I have listened to them a little bit, um, but I, I would definitely. I mean, I respect them. I would absolutely go see them. It just has not 
been in the it car. hasn't clicked yet. Uh, well, I mean, I just haven't haven't had the chance to. I haven't made the I haven't made the initiation to go see them yet. But I yeah. am sure I would have a great time at Goose. Yeah, there's a there's the full Radio City live show on YouTube. Um, mm. Is that the one that Trey set in on? Yeah, it's yep. It's three mm-hmm. sets. They did an acoustic set and then two other sets. Uh, I think that's at their prime. So if you have a minute and you want to listen to something, um, yeah, I actually go. I use um I use nugs.net, which is yeah that yeah. So I'm pretty sure they're on I'm, there for sure. Yeah, yeah, so I'll save that. That will be my listening on my drive home from the cabin tomorrow. Nice, nice. Um, where were we? Um. Where did that stem from? Oh, so, uh, oh yeah. I was. Uh, you were talking about how you spent a lot of time alone, and then yeah. you were saying, "I asked you if you were a podcast or a music guy driving in the car." You right. said you're a music uh, guy. Yeah, and so you know, don't get me wrong; it was not easy being solo at these cabins. There was one cabin back that first winter that I was starting to stay in these um, in the Berkshires of Massachusetts that didn't have Wi-Fi and it didn't have cell service, and it was like a you know quarter of a mile half mile walk from my car to the cabin itself and i middle of winter pitch black outside no service or anything and i was so i was just like full-on alone with myself and Mm -hmm. i started like hearing things and that was the only time that i i made it through the night i was like all right i'm not leaving tonight because i'm not absolutely not walking out to my car right now with all my stuff and all this food and everything and all the ice. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to make it to the morning <laughs> and then I'm going to go home. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And, you know, this was, that was one that, you know, I'd still, I still paid to stay there cause it was such a cool little spot. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it definitely is not easy at first. It's definitely something that you need to, again, kind of like practice and like ease yourself into it. Um, but it obviously as with anything gets easier over time. And now I just have a blast by myself. I shoot and I make yummy food and I enjoy the cabin as much as you can when it's just one person. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely finding that I enjoy it more with other people because, you know, it's just as the, um, I forget what the actual quote that Christopher McCandle says with something about like happiness is only real when shared, which like, I don't completely agree with that sentiment, but it definitely experiences are, you definitely have some great experiences with other people. And I've had plenty by myself and I'm sure I'll have plenty more, um, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely enjoying getting to, cause you know, like, Sorry, this was a very long rant, and this will be the last point that I make. Oh, no, it. it's all right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you know, at this point, I've stayed in probably 150 different cabins. Well, one of the know. questions was how many cabins had you pooped yeah, in, which was an indirect like way of saying that. <laughs> that yeah. many. That is, it, it's probably it's weirdly 152, like two extra ones <laughs> that he just went into and pooped. Planet <laughs> Fitness counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually a joke behind that question. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, that was from Adventures <laughs> of a Wild Thing. So thanks for yeah. the creative question. You must know thanks. the person well. Thanks for uh, keeping it classy. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually here with me right now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've probably stayed in like close to 150 cabins at this point, and you know, a lot of them have been solo. And so you know, at some point, 
the magic definitely like wears off a little bit and it's sometimes difficult to kind of keep that magic. But I think one of the easiest ways to keep that magic is to bring other Mm -hmm. people and have them experience it because to them it's like, wow, like this is amazing. It's like, cause it's like maybe not their first time, but you know, not everyone gets to stay in as many, like probably very few people have stayed in as many cabins as I have. And so being able to kind of share these experiences and like experience other people having these experiences Mm -hmm. makes it so much more fulfilling and amazing. So share them and stay in a state of gratitude, I think, Um, because it it reminds you like what it was like the first time, right? Uh, We just had Neil Dankoff on and and he said, I'm so jealous of your guys' friendship. Like you have a photography friend, you guys talk about photography. Like I literally tell my my wife about what I'm doing and she's like, oh, cool, (laughs) you know? And he's like, I wish I had that sort of friend. And Seth and I, we just kind of do our thing. We might not sit there in gratitude being like, I'm so grateful for this photography relationship that I have. Aaron does. He grabs the back of my head and pulls me in and (laughs) stares deep into my eyes and says, I'm so great. Finger on your lips. And I go, (laughs) don't talk. (laughs) Don't talk. Enjoy the moment. But I'm, I'm with you, Ethan, uh, bringing people to a cabin. Like that's the excitement for me. If if, Mm -hmm. like I get a gig and I was able to say, Hey, Seth and Haley, like, do you want to want to meet up and do this thing? Or, uh, you know, my friends or, and seeing like the, Oh my God, this place is unbelievable. Like, Oh, you got to be here because of photography. Like Mm -hmm. it brings back that sort of energy. Yeah. Um, real quick. Um, so I have this buddy, Luke, who actually is a great kid. Um, he helped me build out my car to live in last, last year. And I took him, you know, we've been to a couple cabins now and I just remember the first one that I like took him to. And yeah. And I mean, all three of them, he's just like over the moon at the place and like just super Aaron. I don't know if you've been to, um, uh, Le Chalet Catskills, um, no, or, not yet. Uh, that's that's one that's on my list for sure. Super. So that's that's one that I would like put up there with like um, Clapper Hall, just like beautiful, 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 like incredibly um, well thought out and just so many thoughtful touches. It's just a gem of a spot. And I remember I took uh, Luke there and he was just like blown away. Just wanted to like, like soak up like every single moment there. And it was just like any time that I brought him to a place, it's just you know, kind of made me feel so good just seeing how excited and pumped up he was. And yeah, so yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, A quick question. I think this will be a quick one. Um, I'm not good at asking quick questions. We all know that. But (laughs) out of 10 cabins, what is the percent of them reaching out to you versus you reaching out to them? Um... At this point, yeah. At this point, yeah. At this point, I would, I would almost say that unless I'm specifically trying to fill in dates, which you know, at this point for August, I have um, like two slot dates available. But then, like September and October, I'm like completely booked up, which is insane. Um, I would say for the most part, it's almost like a eighty, ninety percent of them reaching out, um, or them being like a past client. Um, but I would say at this point, I'm only reaching out to 
a place if I am in a specific area with a specific date that I need to fill, mm-hmm. um, which does happen, 100% happens. Um, but I would say 80% around there, um, they're reaching out to me, which is insane to me. Yeah, that's great. And then here, here's a follow-up question. I think this is important. Uh, let's do this quickly. Back back in the day when you first started, what was that ratio? Fairly. Oh, 100% me reaching out to almost every single one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the follow-up question is, let's go to the beginning of your time. You reaching out to 10 cabins, how many are no's or like no thank you's versus yeses, give or take? Yeah, it's tough to say. I'm like... It honestly seems like so many lifetimes ago at, at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I would say for the most part, um, especially like once I had like a couple like solid ones under my portfolio, I would say it was probably like a 75, 85% would be down for like a collaborative. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Very cool. That's yeah. great. That, that was also, great. Yeah. It was maybe also, the, the price was right, right? Right. I feel like that was also back, you know, we're talking four, three or four years ago when, you know, there definitely were not as many people photographing cabins as there are today. Um, so I feel like it was probably, they they probably got way less requests and, you know, potential people wanting to come shoot. So that maybe played a part in that percentage. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Ethan, just a couple more questions from some listeners, if you don't mind. Um, from our Instagram page, actually, from uh, this one's more of a tech question from at Bensa underscore P. What is the sweet spot for wide angle? Wide enough for the interior, but not to get distorted. Can you weigh in on that? Yeah. Um, so I currently, I mean, my setup right now, I have a 16 to 35. Um, and so I think that 16 is you know, that sweet spot because you know, I, I was shooting on a, uh, I think it, it was a 14, it may have been a 12, but I'm pretty sure it was like a 14, uh, Rokinen manual, mm-hmm. uh, focus lens. And that definitely caused some like fairly heavy distortion, not so much like a fish eye, but definitely like a little bit. Um, and there's definitely like, you know, a little bit of distortion in a 16, but fortunately you're able to correct that. And you can um, bring it back in Lightroom. Yep, right, fairly easily too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, that might be one of the, like the most time-consuming aspects for my OCD-esque um, personality. Getting those lines so, perfect. Getting the lines perfect. It drives me right. wall. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, then further on the tech side, another question from Axton underscore Liam is that what like he says is there a specific camera or lens that inspires you to create more? Uh, I guess that can be taken. A, I, I would like to hear what you're shooting with and mm-hmm. or what you would what your goal setup is. Like what mm-hmm. what would be your perfect camera and lens setup? Yeah, um, if money wasn't an issue or anything. Yeah. All right. So I'll take that in those two parts. Right now, I mean, for a while, I was shooting on a Canon 6D Mark II um, for years. You know, I bought a second one when my first one got submerged in water. And then, um, so I bought the 6D again. But now I shoot on mostly on a um, Canon EOS R. Um, nice. And That's I still what I'm shooting with. Yeah. And I love it. Um, it's great. It's funny because I went great. from the 60 as well. I went from 60 yeah. to the R. Yeah, so that's I, mean, funny. I, I loved the 60. Um, yeah. The only difference, I mean, I 
<laughs> obviously uh, the EOS R is a mirrorless and that's my first mirrorless and I kind of love it. Um, yeah. I like how the screen own- flips out. So when you're down low, you can yeah. see what you're shooting. Yeah. The six, the 6D that I had did that too, which was... Did it? Oh, you had mm-hmm. the Mark II. I had the regular 6D. Yeah, that's... So I've only ever, in those two cameras, have only ever done a screen like that. And I feel like I would never be able to yeah. live without it at this point. Yeah, I couldn't go back uh, either. Yeah. And then, like I said, I got the 16 to 35. And that's that's my setup for cabins. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes throw my 24 to 70. I'll very, very rarely use my 70 to 200 for cabin photography. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then in terms of like ideal camera, I don't, I genuinely don't really know. Um, I'm pretty sure. I think sure it doesn't really I, matter. Right. I feel like I'll probably upgrade by the end of the year. Um, just because the, the EOS are, when you shoot 4K video, it crops, it crops in. And so if I wanted to do like video tours of, you know, these cabins, it's not a genuine 16, it's not a genuine wide angle. When I you didn't shoot know that 4K. it cropped in. I'm fairly certain it does for 4K. Mm, I and believe if you. you. Yeah, if you want to shoot 1920, um, it's the normal wide angle. So that okay. for me at this point is probably like the only thing that I feel like it's, lacking um but like i'm stoked with the quality of my camera but like i said i will probably i will probably upgrade by the end of the year just because um well one tax purposes i feel like getting right off yeah yeah, it would be pretty uh necessary this year not necessary but definitely would rather upgrade and kind of be able to write that off rather than pay the price of a camera in taxes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what I will upgrade to, I have no idea, but that's fair. I have a question from actually my girlfriend. She's curious to know what your favorite kind of cabin. This is Ed Haley Slat. Your favorite kind of cabin to stay in. Oh man. A frames, Um, you know, tiny homes, modernized, you know, what is it for you? Are they, or is there, is that maybe not the right way to think about it? Is it more they're different, or do you have a favorite? I have no idea. I'm curious to know. Yeah, no, as a she. Yeah, yeah. No, great question. Um, tough question too. It's so tough. Like, and that's definitely a, a question that I get asked frequently. It's like, oh, like, what's the what's your favorite spot you've ever been? And like, I definitely cannot answer that. Um, because you know, all, a lot of these places are special in their own ways and like they may be special like once i actually experience them and that specialness may be due to the fact of like you know what happened like what happened while i was there um and whether or not the cabin actually played a part um but what about in terms of aesthetic and layout yeah i i like i like a pretty minimal look to it i do love a-frames i really do um but there's this uh you might have heard of them uh raven house design they will look him up he's a his name is pete um he's raven house designer um but he he makes these really beautiful and you know intentional designs that like i stayed in his original cabin and then this past december i stayed in one that he designed uh, up in Maine and you can just tell how much thought goes into his designs like the placement of the 
of the cabin on the property, the way it's oriented, the placement of the windows and where the light comes in at what point mm-hmm. during the day and things like that, like things that like you just wouldn't ever really think about. I feel like kind of speaks to me. And so like his designs, I'd say are some of my favorite. Um, but yeah, so that didn't really cool. answer, but I, I, de- I definitely say like a minimal gun to um, your head. Oh boy. Gun to my head. <laughs> favorite cabin. I can't answer that. Pull ah, so you're done. You pull the trigger. That's fair. Yeah. You're going to die on that hill. That's fine. Yeah. Um, we're going to do two more questions. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to end with, uh, I think one that will, you're going to have a lot of things to say about. But first, if I recall, um, maybe it was more, these were kind of your, I remember you posting stories like this or, or reels like this rather, maybe around a year, two ago. I don't know if you still kind of post these kinds of, of, of reels, but um, it was a lot of, I think you would showcase how your life used to be. Um I think it was when you were in business school, maybe like a ton of partying and how you mm-hmm. felt that you were heading down a wrong or maybe the incorrect path for you. Yep. And you kind of pulled a 180. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties into someone's question. That's at Gianna.ao2. And her question was, how did you get started? What was your biggest motivation? And I think those two kind of tie in what I've just said in her question. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was curious if you could to, uh, if you could elaborate on, I guess, what motivated you to, to pivot out of uh, the direction you didn't want to be heading down. Yeah. yeah and what no, that direction sure. was mm-hmm. in your eyes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I went to business school. Um, the summer after my freshman year of college, I actually got a really good internship at a, at a bank in Massachusetts, working like directly under the CFO of this bank. And mm-hmm. You know, for someone like me at that time, that was like an ideal kind of internship. It was like, wow, I'm like working directly under pretty much the head of this bank, like investment stuff and like all of that. And then I spent the whole summer in an office, in a corner office with no windows, literally just pushing around stacks of paperwork that to me meant nothing. Like, like it like mm-hmm. and i'm sure i'm exaggerating like a, a little bit when i say this but it pretty much felt like all i was doing was just like hole punching stacks of paper and putting them right. in binders um just like 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 pointless stuff like worthless stuff to me mm-hmm. now and like even then i think i was coming to the realization that like this is horrible like i'm i want to do this for the rest of my life like absolutely not um and so that next that next year when I was a sophomore in high school, you know, so that summer I kind of wasn't really doing photography much, but I, you know, had a camera. Um, and then that fall I switched schools to a school in Boston and then I started shooting like every day, just like in the city with a friend of mine. And, you know, we started taking like small little, you know, day trips to Rhode Island and to other Mm -hmm. spots in Massachusetts. And I just, started falling in love with photography as a medium and as a way of like expressing myself and just a way of living, just like getting out of my comfort zone, being able to capture a scene and kind of like create a scene that I saw play out in my head. And yeah. And so that, that spring, that summer, this is 2018. 
I got a job from Indeed.com. You know, May May came. I was still pretty unhappy being in school. Um, and I was like looking for any sort of photography job for someone with little experience. And yeah, I saw this real estate photography listing and I like reached out and it was this, it was these two sisters that had started their own real estate photography company and I started working for them and it was awesome. It was like, I was driving to these, you know, some, some of them were nice houses and then there was some there was some shoot. There was this one shoot that I had that I showed up to capture the the house, and it was still lived in to the point where they were making lunch while I was trying to shoot this house. <laughs> like there was like there was like a little like three year old like running around, and Jeez. and not only yeah, not only was I trying to like take photos with my camera, like still photos, I was also doing the this Matterport camera, which is like a uh, virtual tour camera that takes a three sixty scan. Mm-hmm. Um, rooms and it was it was a nightmare um, <laughs> but moving on that summer I took a like a two-week road trip out to uh, western Canada and Montana and yeah it kind of like changed everything for me it was my first time so that was it huh like it was there a defining was- moment where you said this this is uh I'm heading in the right direction where I was yeah. before wasn't right for me. Was this the moment then? Western Canada, Montana? For sure. Like that was my first. I stayed in like a hostel. I jumped in the glacial lake up in Banff. I think it was Bow Lake or something. And just like road tripping across the country for the first time. Like pretty much leaving New England for the first time. Was it kind and, of like an eye opener or waking up? That Oh my God. My God, like, this, it, this kind of life exists? Or did you always know yeah. that that kind of life existed? Or I, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, like I saw it on Instagram, but I was just like, oh, like that's just right. a handful. That's for of other people. people. Yeah. That's for other people. And then right. I was like, in, in New England's epic, like there's nothing outside of New England worth seeing. And then, I, <laughs> then I, I drive into Banff and I see the craziest mountains that I've ever seen. And I'm like, aren't they wild? Oh, like it, like I can't even consider any mountain. So many people East. when they fly into Calgary and they make the, did you fly into Calgary? Or you drove? I drove. I drove. drove. Okay. Well, the people who fly into Calgary and then rent a car, that's what I do anyways. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they, they start heading north um, and they see the mountains coming in, so many people cry. Oh, Un- it, unexplainably. It, it didn't happen to me, but I've heard lots of stories of that. Yeah. Because um, it's just it, unexplainable. It, and people, yeah, they, they can't explain why. It, it just, like coming from New England, which is more or less just like right. rolling hills. We have like the white mountains and stuff. And like I grew up, my hometown has a technical, has a second most climbed mountain in the world, actually. But it's, wow. but it's not a mountain, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's no Alex couple, Honnold or no, it's like a couple thousand feet, <laughs> maybe. And it's just like seeing those mountains. And I was just like, oh, yeah, wow. God. Yeah. So after that, road trip on the way back i was like i'm not i can't go back to a classroom like it just wasn't for me like what right, i just bar is felt, raised right like what i just felt on this road trip i need to chase that feeling i need to figure out how i can capture that feeling and use that as like a driving force to you know live a life that makes me feel like this and leaves me feeling fulfilled and awesome yeah and so I feel like that kind of answered that question, right? Perfectly. Answered it perfectly. Cool. Um, our wrap-up question, Ethan. Mm-hmm. 
from media from media sorry from at media underscore Damon May. What are your thoughts on Instagram seemingly becoming TikTok? Yeah, yeah, this definitely, yeah. Because <laughs> okay. you're, you're you're heavy on both platforms. Yeah, yeah, and Do I you mean, implement, yeah. What's your what's your take on that? Do you implement yeah. different strategies? Is one better than the other? How you know, it, it's it's it's. Oh man, this is going to be a long one. All right, I'll try and make it concise <laughs> as I can for this topic. It's tough. Well, I mean, you feel know? free. Feel free to be long winded. The more you know, people yeah. often say with this show they want it to be a lot longer. So mm, okay. Whatever you feel is sufficient. Yeah. Well, man, it is tough. So I've been on Twitter a little bit, you know, since about a year now. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that is where I go to share just like a static photo at this point. Your Twitter? Twitter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Twitter Twitter is cool in the sense that like a retweet immediately sends your photo out to a completely new audience, you know, whereas like Instagram, there's you can like share photos on your story, but like, right. There's no reshare option. There's no reshare option like Twitter. Um, The thing I struggle with Twitter though, is, is it maybe this is just me at times. It feels very, uh, like cliques, cliques and cliques. Cliques. That often that seem very tough to break. It's like showing up late for a party. Everyone kind of stares at you and they've already made their connections to me. That's often what it feels like. And I'm not blaming the app, but Mm -hmm. I just, I'm doing so many things and I don't, I'm not saying you spend a ton of time on your phone, Mm -hmm. um, but I I just don't have the time to be making my way into those circles. Maybe I'm entirely wrong, but that's just sort of my outside opinion because I've tried multiple times like, okay, I really want to dive into Twitter. And for some reason, it just never sticks with me, you know, but I, I like hearing that it's working for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been nice. I've met some some cool people on there that I never would have right. otherwise. But that's the same for Instagram. You know, at this point, I've made almost all of my friends in my life at this point, my good friends, like through social Virtually, media. Virtually, at first, yes. Yeah, so, which, which is crazy. Um, and yeah, so at the end of the day, that is my biggest pro for Instagram specifically. Okay. Is that for met, reach for, and, for, and connections like that. Um, just like, yeah, but in terms of it becoming TikTok, it is, it's unfortunate because we have, do you agree with that statement? Yes. That is trying to, that Instagram is becoming TikTok. Okay. So you do agree with that statement. I do. (laughs) And it's also a little interesting that TikTok just has started implementing stories, which is an Instagram feature. And it's just like these two apps, like TikTok is a video app. Instagram is now a video app, which is I I don't have that new update that is TikTok, but um, my partner Adventures of a Wild Thing does, and like I've looked at her phone, and it's literally TikTok on like the TikTok format of like the video fills the whole screen on. Oh, you don't have that. I don't have that yet. Thank God. Mm. <laughs> but it, I'm sure I'll get it within the next couple weeks. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and it and as much as like you know, why I watched is it unfortunate? The video, do you think just because, because we because it was a photo sharing app originally, like that is what it was, mm-hmm. and I understand that they're trying to keep up with the times, and like they obviously saw the massive success of TikTok, but it's like 
most of the time, not most of the time, when I'm scrolling my feed, I very rarely see photos anymore. And then all a lot of the reels, if they're not like photo reels of people showing off their photos or like video clips, a lot of them are just like repost from TikToks that I've probably already seen. Um, Interesting. So you're you're consuming? Is it that content gets out first on TikTok, or that you're personally going there first? Um, uh, probably a little bit of both, to be honest. Like. I, I go back and forth, you know, I, for the most part, edit my videos on a completely separate app and then we'll bring it into TikTok or Instagram. Which app are you using? Uh, Premiere Rush, Final Cut Pro, something else? Well, I use Premiere on my laptop, but like on my phone, I just, I use this app called InShot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, it's, it's a pretty simple, you know, interface and it, mm-hmm. it's actually, I, I love it. I just started using it. Uh, my friend Michelle recommended it. Um, so I just started using it, but. Yeah. Um, it's tough. You know, you see all the comments. Like I watched the video from the, from the CEO of Instagram, like talking about the new updates and like literally every single comment under the video was like, bring photos back, like turn this app back into what it was. Like you're driving away the people who made your app what it was. So why do you think they won't listen to their, their users? Do you think that those people commenting are still the minority? It's so tough to like think that way because it's all you see and it's all as photographers that we hear. But you talk to probably the, the average person and I bet you they're not upset that it's more video no, now. Because, yeah, I mean, we're in our bubble of photographers, right? I mean, right. I don't, the vast majority of Instagram users are not photographers, photographers. in the sense that yeah. we use the term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's not their profession. They don't rely on this app to showcase their work to brands, to clients, to stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it's def- it's and then like you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, a video is just a bunch of pictures, very moving very quickly. So mm-hmm. it makes sense as to why they're going that direction. It's just. At this point, you would think with like all of their resources, all their money, all of their employees that they would create a photo app. Like doesn't like that's that that I think is the part that kind of confuses me a little bit is that you ha- I mean you have to see all these people wanting photos and it's like if you're turning into a photo app like why wouldn't you also make or if you're turning into a video app why wouldn't you also make a photo app? Again, Instagram photo and Instagram video, right? Interesting. As opposed to trying to, as opposed to saying you're going to try and keep pushing photos when it's adamant that you're not, mm. or clearly you're not. So why not just make like a separate yeah? Interesting. App? Just fork the app, right? Yeah. So interesting. Well, yeah. man, we covered a lot. I really appreciate. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time to do this and offer your your insight. It's nice to catch up with you after a year. Yeah, no, this was. Awesome. I appreciate you reaching back out and having me back on. This was this was awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Well, until next time, take care, my man. Yeah, you too, Seth. <laughs>